0: Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Podcast. My name is Roy Shanahan, and joining me this week is the Kickoff.com's Peter Moore. And after a week on the bench, Mister David Bogle makes his comeback. Now, with generally most of the domestic leagues completed this week, seeing a return to one of football's, well, it's the biggest competition, isn't it?
1: You said now I have to look the league. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, the Champions League had some melt-watering tyres during the week. And Dave, it didn't disappoint this week.
1: No, because um, yes, we got a very, very quick glimpse of it in the just before lockdown when it was starting to happen across various countries. And we seen one or two and we were all like, oh, it's not the same, it's not the same. But thankfully, you know, it's the knockout phase, there's no messing. And, you know, they're still the biggest prize in European football up for grabs as we... As we know. Um, so, as much as one or two of the, the games were fairly much done and dusted, and then they ended up that way, the ones that weren't, there was plenty in them. And uh, thank God, you know, between Barcelona and Napoli and obviously Juventus and uh, uh, Leon, there was definitely plenty to play for last night. Not so much, but uh, no. Uh, so far, so good. And
0: Yeah. Um, one of the most intriguing games, well, it was Juventus versus Leon, wasn't
2: it? And of course, this guy, who's had a wonderful hits. It's on. It really is on. And it's no surprise that Cristiano Ronaldo has made the improbable very possible. Him again. Juventus within one of the quarterfinal.
0: Yeah, well, Juventus never made that and Ronaldo and co. again failed to make an impression on Europe's top competition going out to Lyon in the last 16. Dave, Maurizio Sarri, won Juventus, their nine title in a row in Serie A, but that was quickly, well, skewered when he got sacked after this defeat to the French club. What what does that say about Juventus's ambition?
1: Uh, it's European or bust, as simple as that. A bit like, um, remember when Del Bosque um, won the Champions League but lost the league, won the Champions League, I think he got sacked because he won the Champions League but lost the league title, but because Barcelona came back, it was the other way. And you're kind of scratching your head going, well, He's only there a year. He's kind of done what he has to do domestically. I know it's not the most difficult, but uh, it's obvious they only have one ambition, and that's Europe. And that's a very, very, very tough competition to win. Um, As much as you've got Ronaldo, that doesn't guarantee uh, European success as it's proven. So Pirlo came in a week ago to take over the under-23. So was this always going to be the case? Um, And if so, he's under a lot of pressure from the get-go because why... Bring in Sarri in the first place. They're, they're saying something like over 20 million in compensation. Uh, another one of these where owners, I don't think, I've, I've, yeah, it's one of them. I mean, you just scratch your head and you go, I don't, what, do you really have a big picture? Or is it, I want it now and that's the end of it? And throw more money at it and not really realise that this stuff takes time. You know, this stuff takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, Ronaldo needs uh, a supporting cast. He can't do it on his own. Um, I, he even knew it himself when he played with Portugal because the first few tournaments with Portugal, he was very frustrated trying to do it on his own. And it's like the light bulb went off halfway through his career where he realized, like, you know, you need your team around you. And um, obviously, he got great success then in the Euros with them. And it's something similar here. He needs a good support and cast around him. And uh, obviously, Dabal has been struggling. But, you know, wingers playing fullback, Delict not really kind of getting off from the right foot this year. Rabiot from PSG. Are they real improvements? Not necessarily. So, you know, but it's easy to blame. Take the easy option and blame Sorry, God forbid it's, it's poor whoever the sporting directors are or, or the Ignelli owners who they are. It's 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 a very, very strange situation. And what do they expect next year with Quirlo? Do they really think he's going to be the answer? I'm shocked if they actually genuinely do believe it.
0: Yeah, Peter, Pirlo was named the new boss. It's it's kind of an ex, unexpected move with Allegri and Sarri, you know, are they looking down the road? They look across at Real Madrid and they say, well, we brought Zidane in. He he was an intelligent footballer. He brought success. It's just, just hmm. trying a, a new angle. Is it the right move?
2: Well, good question, uh, Roy. I suppose the answer to that quite simply will be, let's see how things go next season. Um, It might be one of these sort of panic situations, isn't it, really? Getting a guy remembering Juventus as a player from, what was it, 2011, played over 150 games, won four Serie A titles, you know, the the, the honours and the list goes on. And Italy doesn't always guarantee the fact that you're going to be a very good manager uh, with a side like uh, Juventus. I mean, at the end of the day, I think now, quickly going back to what they were saying, I mean, what, what do Juventus purely want? I mean, okay, obviously they want to win the Champions League, yes, like any uh, side would. What, what, realistically, is their ambition? Yes, they're always going to be up there in Serie A. I mean, that's going to happen year in, year out. To be fair, it probably doesn't matter who's in charge. They're always going to be there. But at the end of the day, like all owners, they're not really that interested in winning Serie A. It doesn't mean a lot to them. What they want is European glory of course, they want the big fish, don't they, by far and away? They do want something like a Champions League. Now, whether or not um, Pierlo can actually do that, it's, I, I go along with Dave. I, I don't think he can, actually, myself. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, I think he could probably end up getting and win yet another Serie uh, till next season. But, like I say, realistically, for ambitions-wise and owners, uh, they're not in it for something like this. They obviously want something much stronger, much better that is going to mean so much more into their history as well in particular. And, uh, but whether or not it's going to be successful, if you want my honest opinion, I, I think for a, a club title, possibly yes. But for a European title, which is going to mean so much more, I don't think so, no.
0: Yeah, um, like like Dave had said, it was beforehand it was said that all Juventus needed to make the step to winning the Champions League was to get a striker in now Ronaldo this season has scored 37 goals in 46 games including two against Leon the other night could this be part of a a little bit of a panic Ronaldo's running out of time they they need to get someone in who's going to get things ticking around Ronaldo and I mean, he's the he's the big name player. He's the one to put the ball in the back of the net. Sorry, you couldn't figure it out. So we need to get someone else in quickly. And and who's that? Who who's the missing pieces of what? What who would you get to get in, Go into as Dave said, the midfield positions probably haven't strengthened at all. So what's the missing piece as well?
2: Well, it's 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 so difficult, right? Isn't it? I mean, it's a question of who would be available. Uh, have they got the money potentially to lure people? to uh, uh, Juventus more than anything, as opposed to some other European clubs, which we are going to have more in the Kitty Fund, so to speak, as well. So it's, it's really difficult, really. I mean, and of course, the other situation is, you know, you, you, you're talking about Ronaldo. If he's not going to get success in Europe, how long would he stay there for? I mean, I think that poses an interesting question as well. Uh, forget about the fact he signed a contract uh, whenever it was and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, he's always proved to be popular there. But at the end of the day, as you say, it isn't just about one man. They, they do need strengthening, but it really is a question more than anything. Of, like I say, who would be available in particular? Who would want to go to Juventus if the price is right? But I think more importantly, realistically, have they got funds in a big way that they can lure various people from either England or other parts of Europe? to actually try and make them, let's face it, the force that they were, having said that, it was, that was a long time ago. And to be honest with you, I don't think those times are going to come back very quickly for them either.
0: No, they've always seemed to be... Uh not penny-pinching, but looking for a deal and seeing so many free transfers yeah. going there and Ramsey was one of those. So, yeah, maybe they don't have that money, Peter. Maybe they've, they've spent their lot on, on getting Ronaldo in. Uh, Dave, Bayern Munich cruised into the last eight, seven-one on aggregate and made Chelsea look very ordinary. Uh, Manchester City are the bookies' favourites, but Bayern Munich's high level of consistency has been seriously impressive and maybe not shown in the bookies' outright odds.
1: Yeah, like maybe people, I suppose the bookies, uh, they be kind of UK bookies, and of course, it's based on who is putting money down. So, of course, the locals will put more money on your local teams and obviously after beating Real Madrid, that's what's probably necessarily going to happen. But not only that, though, people probably are not, I don't mean to be this real, but because the German league has been finished for a few weeks, you kind of forget, you might think the fact that they've been playing consistently, the English teams will be up and at it and kind of oh, they've been on our off-season for a couple of weeks maybe they, they might be caught cold but if anything all it really highlighted was the gap that Chelsea need to try and bridge because obviously they were there in 2012 uh, against Bayern Munich if I'm not mistaken in the Munich final and were more than a match and obviously won the game but it was a different story eight years later as we all have seen the other day now yes Chelsea are missing a few players but you could just see just what a well-oiled machine Bayern Munich are while well, Chelsea are very much still a work in progress so it was more just a reality a bit of a reality check for Chelsea and where they need to be but uh, yeah I would back you up on that Uh, I can understand why City are favourites but yeah uh, based on the performance and how they performed finishing off the season quite clinically in the Bundesliga Bayern Munich uh, write them off at your peril
0: yeah after the game Chelsea boss Frank Lampard spoke to the press about how he felt the game
1: went
2: Frank you knew it was going to be difficult tonight, but it's ended up being a heavy defeat. How do you feel the team
3: performed this evening? I thought they performed all right. Um, it's difficult to say that after a 4-1 defeat, I'm not happy. You, you don't want to lose the game here, but when you concede the two goals early, I thought the resilience of how we got back into the game. I'm fortunate, I think, with the, with the Callum's goal, then we get a goal. At 2-1, we're fully in the game and competing with what is the top team. You know, when you match up our Champions League appearances to theirs and you look through their team, I think you can see a big reason there in, in, in what we've seen tonight, but I saw lots of good things in the team, also some of the bad that we've seen this season, which is where we need to improve. And At 2-1 we're competing in a game, we don't get our goals, we have individual errors that gift give them, give them goals and um, at this level that, that will finish you off. You've mentioned it there, you said to me before the game that your team has a slight work in progress, how do you see the season?
2: Overall, because I know a lot of fans are very positive about your work at the club.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's not slight, it's a work in progress. It's not, it's not the norm for Chelsea in the last 15, 20 years where you have players of teams of the prime Hazard and Costa and prime Czech Terry Drogba. I mean, those teams competing for Premier League titles year on year, getting to semi finals and finals regularly. We know that's not the case. We, we, we lost the best player in the league pretty much in Eden Hazard. We have a lot of players that are young and who have been on loan and come back and I think they've developed greatly through the year. And that's why people would not normally commend Chelsea coming fourth season. It's not always been the the levels, but a lot of people and people were here working and the fans, the feeling is, and we're not happy with fourth, we want more, but the feeling is that we've achieved something with the group we have. But now is the important time to not not rest, to not settle with the, the fourth and think where can we improve, where can we improve with the players. As a club, where can we improve?
0: Yeah, Barcelona were also in form going through 4-2 on aggregate and Lionel Messi was in the mood.
3: This man, trying to wriggle his way through and he got back up as well. Oh, fabulous. Absolutely brilliant from Lionel Messi. The genius at work again and Barcelona's advantage on the night is a two-goal one and on aggregate, it's a two-goal one.
0: Peter, were you impressed by Barcelona or was it a formality against the Napoli side who could only finish seventh in Serie A this season?
2: I can't say I was impressed, Roy. Um, I, I, it was, I think, to be fair, it was a typical Barcelona performance this season. They stuttered a little bit. Obviously, they were helped by the master magician, uh, Messi with that wonderful goal, with, you know, brilliant individual goal. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Uh, When you've got a guy like Messi in your side, to be fair, sometimes you don't have to be at your brilliant best. Uh, 10, 15 minutes of Messi is brilliant. best. it's normally enough to win a match anyhow. Um, I think overall that that was probably the difference between the sides, to to be perfectly frank with you. Yeah, um, I I wouldn't say it was a formality. No, I think Barcelona were always going to be favourites. Yes, obviously, understandably so. uh, But... As I said, I, I, it was a workmanlike performance. It, it wasn't spectacular. But um, all season, I think this has been Barcelona's story. You know, you, you, you've you seen them in La Liga. You've seen them in Europe. You wouldn't turn around and say, it's probably the Barcelona threat of previous seasons. But remember, as I say, with a guy like Messi there, you, you, you can't discount uh, Barcelona in this uh, uh, Champions League by far and away. It, I mean... <laughs> The match-up against Bayern Munich is going to be one hell of a game, it it has to be said. I mean, I I totally go along with what Dave mentioned earlier. Bayern Munich, I think rightfully so, uh, are going to be one of the favourites. Manchester City, yes, um, understandably, will be firm favourites because most of the money that gets uh, on from bookmakers around the world, in particular, uh, the the bulk of the money does come from England in particular. And, And yes, most of the English people, fans and alike over here, would immediately put money on City because of their squad and strength and depth as well. So I mean that that is quite rightly so that they would be favourites. But I just think Bayern Munich. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't certainly rule out Barcelona. No, at the end of the day, uh, as I said, with Messi and like there, um, if I, if Bayern do have one off the, uh, game, which they could do, then Barcelona could quite easily punish them. But I just think that this Bayern Munich side, uh, from 1 to 11, uh, and I'm talking the old terms as opposed to new football numbers, etc. Uh, from 1 to 11 and on the bench, they look so much quality. They just look strength in depth in every department. I mean, they've been so impressive. Right, or you, you, you can talk about the Bundesliga. Right? We all know it's not going to be as strong as a fair amount of other leagues around Europe and of course the Premier League in particular, no. But at the end of the day, you've still got to be good enough to win it, which they were for yet, for yet another time. But, but I've just been so impressed by them in Europe. You know, they've approached each game very professionally and the, and the same happened over the course of the weekend as well. But yeah, certainly that to me is going to be the, the tie uh, but as I say, Barcelona and Killa, yeah, I, I still think, uh, uh, they, they can be a threat, Roy. I'm, I'm certainly say they, it's not the fact they, any Barcelona side turns up and isn't a threat. It always will be a threat. But, you know, I just don't think they're playing as good as they have done. And, and I also feel, which is another good point, that perhaps a couple of seasons or so ago, If you were drawn against Barcelona, to be fair, you'd probably be quaking in your boots. You wouldn't really want to face Barcelona in the form that they were in. But this season, as was proved in Liga and also in Europe, remember, they've had a fair amount of tussles in Europe so far already. Um, It isn't a case of sides getting particularly worried that they're going to have to face Barcelona. Yes, of course, they're going to face Messi. But aside from Messi, the rest of them, you wouldn't really turn around and have sleepless nights over. So therefore, I just feel that that will go against Barcelona as well. And I just
1: don't think they're the side that they are, or they have been, certainly in the past.
0: Yeah, Dave, there's a few gaps in that Barcelona backline.
1: 100%. Uh, like I just wrote it down there as you were talking because I, was, I had a few notes on Barcelona about how I feel about them. It's like, yeah, let's not rule them out, but they are a bit like a, a seasoned old f- uh, boxer, so to speak, who still has the knockout punch but unfortunately he's developed the glass jaw like if they get a little bit of confidence they could still punish you with the punch and power that they have but they're certainly weaker at the back with uh, they have Lenglet at the moment with, with PK, and then of course the two fullbacks are uh, I don't want to compare it to the Liverpool's but they definitely can attack as good as anyone but they're defensively they, they don't have much at all um, but Barcelona are one of them teams it's kind of like yeah you know I think it's a bad matchup for them against Bayern Munich because the one thing about the Germans, they're ruthless and they love this type of competition. I'd expect them to be that stereotypical German mentality and we'll step over them. But if it was another side who were a little bit cagey and were a bit more kind of, give them a bit of room, you could get them into the game. And Barcelona still are that type of team where you get them into the game, you give them a sniff, they can punish you. But I think Bayern will be just too strong. We'll keep them at arm's length and and put
0: them out in my opinion Yeah, um, Manchester City who are the Champions League's favourite to, to the bookies' favourites anyhow to win the Champions League they got through 4-2 against uh, another Spanish outfit Real Madrid course league champions and it was all down to Manchester City's new player Rafael Varane
2: defend make it into a... oh they've won it back no, they have won it back and here's the chance and there's the goal and it's tucked away easily by Raheem Sterling After it was nicked back for Manchester City by Gabriel Jesus. And it's a terrible error by Rafa Varane. And what a way to shoot yourself in the foot early on in a game of this size. And it was simple, really, for Raheem Sterling to tighten City's grip on the game. Absolutely.
0: Obviously a bit of uh, sarcasm there, Dave. But yeah, Varane (laughs) really killed him off, didn't he?
1: Yeah, it's a bit interesting, like... Baran would have been very well lauded around and somebody who we'd all fancy him. Is it one of these where he's missing his partner in crime and all of a sudden he's very vulnerable and doesn't look quite half the player? You had uh, Sergio Ramos looking fetching in his little waistcoat and shirt on the the sideline. while he really should be out on the pitch. Um, But in fairness, there's no shock to the way Man City play. They like to defend from the front, you know. Is it Dan and and the management and who is who sits in the back and video analyse played into the hand, so to speak. So it's a, it's very easy to blame Varane, but I'd be blaming almost the tactics. You're in, like City and certainly Liverpool. It, it, I know they're both English teams, but seem to have it nailed on fairly well now. The 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 the, the pressing from the front. And what did you expect? Um, but maybe it was more asked upon Varane to do the more football side of things compared to. Ramos, who would be very much more relaxed about it. But I don't want to use the example, but look at the respect that, say, Matip and Gomez are getting now because they're looking like a slightly better defender because they've got big Virgil van Dijk beside him, I think mm. is, is is the question to be said about Varane. Is Varane a, a better defender when he has his partner in beside him? Or is he as good as what we say? I, I think he is good. I just think he was exposed because he had to do maybe more of the football Element of it that 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 would have been Sergio Ramos, and we all know what a what a class player he is. But you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't point the finger at Baran. I think it was very much they played into City's hands, and I would deflect a little bit and say uh, the video analysis slash management need to kind of take their put their hands up as well.
0: Yeah, he did. He looked under fierce pressure for both yeah. goals but he did dilly dally a bit though you know the first one he took, took yeah. three pa- touches before he went to try and pass it the second one he tried to head the ball twice when there was no need to head the ball at all so yeah you might have a point there with the uh, Van Dijk and Ramos uh Uh, thoughts because sometimes maybe they're just a bit
1: more comfortable you
0: know yeah yeah, that might be it too Um, yeah well so the quarter final stage is Atalanta against Paris Saint-Germain this has been seen as the uh, David versus Goliath and uh, to put that in perspective Neymar earns more than the whole entire Atalanta squad so That's how much <laughs> that's how much of a difference there is financially. But as we know, uh, finances don't always get you the results you want. RB Leipzig. Yeah. So. <laughs> RB Leipzig will be playing Atletico Madrid, Barcelona and Bayern seems to be the standout game. Mm. And uh, Man City versus Leon, again, don't get complacent. Isn't that what we think? You might yeah. think it's the it's the it's the, it's the best draw for Manchester City, but uh, Peter, Manchester City need to be very careful.
2: Yeah, you're right. Complacency, excellent word. I mean, Lyon have been one of the surprise packages, haven't they, in this Champions League uh, at the start. Nobody really gave them much of a chance. But as the uh, uh, tournament has progressed, they have looked a very, very good side. Um, obviously, they will give respect to Manchester City, quite quite rightly so. And you're right, City mustn't be complacent. I don't think they will, because I think Guardiola is a sensible enough manager to realise that look, no games are going to be easy once you get to the quarterfinals. You've got eight teams left. Realistically, all of them have got a chance. Admittedly, some have got probably a better chance than others, but you're in there for the fact that you deserve to get there, and that Mm. can be said of Lyon. But rightly so, I think Manchester City will approach this. I won't say they're going to approach it with caution, because I don't think that's that way, that that is going to be their way of playing. No. I think, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, Lyon have got a handful. They're going to have to stop City from scoring. And we all know that's going to be an extremely hard and difficult task. But finals, you know, one leg, anything can happen, as we know, by far and away. So you, you cannot even now completely rule out Leon. But certainly Manchester City will start as very, very, very strong favourites. And I think when you look at sort of the other three ties, you'd have to say that... Um, You're probably looking at Manchester City definitely to beat Leon, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, I'd have to go along with Bayern Munich. Yeah, Leipzig and Atletico Madrid. um, I don't know if you know this, guys, but apparently Atletico Madrid put a statement out literally about half an hour ago saying that two players apparently from their squad already have been tested positive for COVID-19. Now, I don't know if that's going to have any effect on uh, next week's quarterfinals. Who knows? It may do, it may not do but apparently that's the news that's been coming through from Spain, literally, uh, we say, hot off the press, but assuming that match does go ahead, you'd have to fancy Atletico Madrid again as favourites, and you're right, little, and I have to say that to be fair, little Atalanta against massive big spenders, PSG, as you say, it's, uh, it's uh, David and Goliath by far and away. Um, PSG obviously are going to start extremely and um, very much as hot favourites, but There's one guy in the the English media who's actually, to be honest with you, has tipped Atalanta right away from the start of this competition. I know when it first came into play, everybody thought he was absolutely mad. But now they're beginning to realise, well, hang on a minute, this could prove to be an upset. Remember, you know, this Champions League is different now compared to what it has been in the past. So, of course, you never know. I mean, he seems to think that they could even get to the final. Personally, I think it will take a unanimous and a massive... Uh, Effort from them by far and away. But certainly, yeah, you know, City, uh, strong favourites, yes. Bayern Munich, not too far behind them. And then, as you say, the pick of the others by far and away.
0: Okay, it's time for a bit of transfer talk. Okay, yeah, a little bit of transfer talk because, uh, well, we're in the middle of that season and that's going to extend out for quite a little bit now. I think it's into the middle of October, so you're going to have rumours galore. Dave, we're going to start with you. Again, your your favourite subject, Liverpool. They're going to have to try I tried hard to get away, Shano, I really <laughs> tried
1: hard to get away from this one. <laughs> but, uh, Go on, talk. But no, they are moving a bit. But no, I have to say, just before we get into it, it's this is the first week where it feels really real, all the transfer talk, because it's very much like some of it felt like they were making it up in the summer, but now it's it's really starting to get momentum and obviously where William's one of them that he's definitely on the move and you can certainly start to see you know the way when one move kind of triggers another move and you can definitely feel over the next week or two things are gonna click. But the only reason why I brought it up it was I was just a bit intrigued uh, when I was reading a, a story about Liverpool today. Um, they're obviously after a left fullback to cover Andy Robertson and Jamal Lewis, the Northern Irish international uh, at Norwich, recently relegated Norwich, was looking was looking likely. But then I was reading a, an article today and they said, um, by all accounts, Liverpool have said we need to sell before we can buy. Um, considering the season they would have had last year financially off the back of the Champions League and now the potential financial implications of winning the league. It's a little bit surprising, so I kind of have been asking the question, what's going on with Liverpool's finances in relation to, are they being a sensible club in lockdown Um, in relation to, we, we don't know where it's going, we don't know what's happening, match day revenue, just how big is it? I got the 2019 and 2018 figures from match day revenue is roughly on average 82 million. So a quarter of last season would have been well, not a quarter, maybe twenty percent of last season would have been lost on match day revenue. So at max they could have lost maybe about twenty million. Obviously this season we're unsure how much, but say the whole season's behind closed doors, there's maybe eighty million that they could be missing out on this year. Mightn't sound like a lot of money, but their pre-profit uh, after tax last season was thirty-three million. Um, so potentially they're going to be playing at a loss this year without getting too bogged down into it. So, I'm just a bit worried. Is it a case of, are they being sensible and rightly so? Or are they being a bit... Uh, other stories are Klopp is very... He's very cagey to upset the apple cart at the moment. He's very happy with his team and rightly so. Um, they're still technically improving every season. Have Have they reached the ceiling? I think that's the great debate. But one of the big things about... Fergus and then his ultimate strength was he always kept that competitive nature in the squad and he always kept that, um, he always kept them fresh and always kept them hungry and you'd be afraid, you'd like to think this is a a top class side, which I think it obviously is, but will it stay that way um, for how long without it being freshened up? So I just found it a little bit interesting that they're being a bit stingy on the money and you'd love to know a little bit why and as I said, the question is are they being sensible or not? But well, from the Jamal Lewis story is Kostas Stimikas Sim- from Olympiakos, apparently a ta- talented left-back. Now uh, he is now looking at very much in odds-on favour, around the 10 or 11 million pound mark. And in order for the likes of Thiago and Brooks from Bournemouth to come in, they need to make up another 40 or 50 million. And uh, Marco Grujic, which has been on um, loan for the last two seasons here at Berlin and his fancy and has done quite well, And then, of course, Harry Wilson. They're looking for around twenty million each. So, when Liverpool lose some players, then you should expect them to gain some. As as long, David, though, more squad based. Yeah,
0: as long as you're bringing in better players, than you're losing. Then there's no problem with that, is there?
1: Yeah. Ah, look, it's thirty years of hurt, Shano. I'm still, I'm still paranoid. It's all gone again. You know, that's all it is, really. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just want to stay there and I don't want to let it go. But no, it's just very interesting. We like in a year or two we could just say they're financially geniuses and fair play to them but you know last just for example the financial side of it last week they obviously uh, changed their gear to like and there was a pre-sale online and it started last Saturday and I went down for the crack just to see what the gear looked like nothing else and there was a virtual queue of over an hour to get into the actual website page so demand worldwide is monstrous at the moment for Liverpool so they're going to make some money regardless. But it's the match day side of things which is very interesting. Just how much it is, very hard to tell. As I said, the financial part, which I've seen from the Twitter account, the Swiss Ramble, who's very uh, concise, is around the 80 to 85 million mark. So they're either just being very clever or just they're very happy with what they are, uh, or, or else they're just very happy with what they have.
0: Yeah. Uh Peter? You keep telling me you're a psychic, so I'm gonna go down to the, the the route of, <laughs> of, of your transfers. Uh, Philippe Coutinho to Arsenal—that may very well have been in the press quite a while. But Chris Wood to Lazio. Tell us all about those two.
2: Yeah, um, well, let's start off then with uh, Mr. Coutinho. Um, yeah, it's, um, it looks almost done and dusted. Uh, just got to do the normal paperwork, etc. It'd be a season-long loan deal. Um, to Arsenal, obviously, uh, Mikel Arteta has always been a big fan of uh, uh, Philip Coutinho, and uh, I think he's pretty pleased he can get him on loan. Of course, at the moment he is on loan, remember, from Barcelona to Bayern Munich. So um, I don't think there's going to ever be sort of a, a sale involved, as such, but a, a season-long loan, uh, an experienced player, somebody that I think could fit in very well with an Arsenal squad, which I think does still need a little bit of experience. and I think uh assuming that does go through I think that could be a very very useful Signing definitely there for the Gunners uh, Yeah Chris Wood um, This could be a surprising one True it, it's, it's been rather Under the radar for the last uh, Week or so but it's beginning to get um, Much more miles In the tank now definitely um, People can say well look he wouldn't Leave Burnley surely to go to Lazio but in football As we all know Roy never say never Absolutely anything can happen mm-hmm. And he could well be on, actually, assuming that Lazio can offer the right sort of money, and Burnley would be prepared to sell him. Remember, he got 14 goals last season for Burnley. He is a key and a main player for the Lancashire side. But, like I say, that that seems to be gaining a huge amount of momentum at the moment. So, well, don't be surprised if that one does actually go and doesn't come off and goes through. Um, because it wouldn't surprise me at all. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn around and say it's not going to happen. I think it could well happen, definitely.
0: Yeah, but Dave, I might ask you about those two because Coutinho to Arsenal, if they do get Coutinho and William is going there as well, that's just almost done and dusted. Uh, it's probably signed and everything at this stage now uh, when people are listening to this. But Arsenal are starting to build something relatively... What you would think Arteta be looking for a kind of a, a Barcelona esque type team. The yeah. other the other side, Chris Wood with Burnley, is Sean Dyche going to be there because the the, the, the best of the, the best of the players that he's had seem to be drifting away.
1: Just a quick one on Arsenal. Uh, am I right in saying, has Aubameyang signed a new contract?
0: It looks very like he's going to. That's the talk now in the last uh, couple of yeah. days that he's, uh, yeah, he's been so offered a very lucrative contract and um, almost yeah, certainly yeah.
1: will. Right, so let's say he has per se for, for, for the for the answer. If, say, William does go there and, and he's favoured to go there, stays around London and obviously uh, bigger money and obviously getting the three years, which is the biggest re- stumbling block uh with Chelsea, and then the likes of Coutinho comes in. I'll rob what you just said about when I was mentioned Liverpool. Is he improving that side? Without a shadow of a doubt, I think he would be, especially with midfield. The way they go on and on and on and on and on and on about the Arsenal midfield since Petit and Vieira left, it's they're still pointing for that for that era. Um, I'm not saying he's off their level, but he would definitely improve on Ozil, which I don't think is a is a big shock. There's talk of them paying off Ozil's contract. I think there's 18 million just to get him off the books. So he could easily slot in and replace him and obviously potentially play consistently. Uh, two Brazilian counterparts, we have quite happy, quite comfortable uh, playing with each other. And then if you've got the likes of Aubameyang there and Pepe, if he can kind of come in and show a bit more confidence in the new season, you could say yes. Uh, on, on paper, it, it, it is an improvement on what they have. And a bit of, not necessarily steel, but William knows knows his way around it what it takes to win. Coutinho obviously left Liverpool, but just hasn't quite happened with him for whatever reason. Um, but for Arsenal, it's definitely a step above what they have and will make them an interesting proposition. And then off the back of the confidence of the FA Cup win. In relation to Burnley, he's a he's a big Sean Dyche player and he's a big player for them and, and, and causes a lot of problems for a lot of the big boys. Like Whatever about the, the relegation slash mid-table teams, you know, he's the type of player that your City, Liverpool, United centre-halves don't want to come up against. Somebody who's going to not take crap off them and bully them and muscle them and really make it nasty for them. So would be a bit of a surprise to see him leave. But then again, there was talk of Hendrick going to AC Milan, but who's to say he could be ideal, little uh, foil. Uh, I don't know how he'd fit in, because Immobile has, is, I think he got this year's European golden boot, so I don't know exactly how he's going to fit in, or is he very much a a last twenty-minute plan B, if it was realistic for Lazio, but uh yeah, Sean Dyche, yeah, you, you could start a rumor mill about that then if if he goes because he's very much a Sean Dyche-style player. Okay,
0: it's time for uh, a few of our other stories because uh, there's there's a lot going on in the footballing world. But Dave has something that hasn't gone hasn't been done recently. But Robin van Persie did have a chat. I think it's been out there for not that long, but it's been out there uh, through the coaching ranks and all. And, Dave, why did it catch your attention?
1: Uh, Yeah, Jake Humphrey, as we all know from the BBC and BT Sports, I don't don't even know if he's still with BBC, but uh, he has a high-performance podcast, and it's in the title, and he has a chat with Robin Van Persie, and he literally put up a clip again of when... Robin van is talking about how winners take control, but he was using his 13-year-old son as the example of the advice. And let's just say, ah, let's get them going. The old snowflake parents had a lot to say about it afterwards. But play the clip first, and I can tell you a few spots.
4: <laughs> right. Yeah. I actually had this chat last week. Funny enough, seriously, with my son. So my son uh, plays at Feyenoord. He played against um, um, Ajax under 14. He was on the bench. He didn't play so uh, in the car on the way back he was like a bit moody disappointed complaining a little bit about uh, others about the coach etc and then i said yeah i said but Shaquille," i said you sound like a loser you know if you talk like this in a way you sound like you lost i said you are blaming him you're blaming her you're blaming this you're blaming everything i said but I don't hear one single thing about yourself. I said, winners, I said, they take control, and they blame themselves, and they look where they can improve. Yeah, and um, um, this is what you should be thinking about. So I didn't tell him uh, what he should think about. You should ask yourself the question: Are you a loser or are you a winner? I said, for me, it doesn't matter. I said, I said, because I'm your dad. I said, the only job I have. And uh, your mom has is when you're 20, that you're a good boy, that you're ready for life. You know, you can make your mistakes, you can do what you want. I, I love you for the same amount. It doesn't matter for me if you make it as a football player or not. I said, but you say that this, that this is your passion. So uh, you should take control of your life and stop complaining because it sounds like a loser. I said, and I don't mind. If you want to be a loser, be a loser. I still love you <laughs> as much. I said, I said, it doesn't matter for me. I said, but if you want to be a winner, take control of your life and stop complaining about others. And then I watched him train the next morning. uh, My my wife said, where are you going? I said, "Ah, I'm going to watch this session Uh, two days later, actually, because they played on Saturday and Monday morning. So I'm there sitting, cold, (laughs) hoodie on. I'm, I'm looking and I see this tiger training, running, working. And I was like, ah, okay." Okay, he realised he has to take control of his life. He's 13 now.
0: Now, Dave, talk about what the snowflakes are talking about.
1: (laughs) I won't name their names, but uh, (laughs) sorry, I'm not really into imparting wisdom onto my son from a chap who earned millions from kicking over football. I'd rather they had an education and learned that way. Oh, my youngest is now at uni learning the value of money. And then the next person, ridiculous comment. To get to the very top of the football world requires extreme levels of hard work, dedication, commitment, and mental fortitude. The money is earned, just a byproduct. And then the majority are very much like, oh, my God, he said like the word loser. I hate all this. If you don't win, you're a loser mentally. I know he softened the edges and he makes sense, but I think giving your child that pep talk only works if they're that way inclined already. Uh, And then it's just like, he didn't say you had to win. He just said the way his child was complaining and blaming everyone else rather than taking control and responsibility for his life is why he sounded like a loser. It wasn't about winning and losing. So it's just slow down, listen, and don't just get on and start tapping away. Like, Plus it's in the tight with high performance. Like that's the extreme level. It's not when you're playing for your local schoolboy league in your local town. Like That's the first question most of us will say, did you have fun? And after that, then you go, did you learn anything today? But it won't be that same extreme. And that's just... A professional footballer he hit the top of the heights and what you need to do to get there. He's imparting that wisdom on his son who has allegedly said it's his passion. So slow down, relax and put the keyboard away for a change, you know?
0: Yeah, well, you know you know, Twitter. Twitter is the worst of it. Half the people don't read oh. the comments that are... are They the, read the the tweet as it is anyhow you know and they just like to comment if they and see. the
1: majority of them were Arsenal fans going oh he doesn't know anything about loyalty he's an idiot and you're like oh here we go he
0: knows about winning <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's
1: that supposed to mean did he win somewhere
0: did he I think he went on the next season yeah I think he might have went on and, 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 well, but there
1: you go exactly
0: so no but in all honesty I don't actually find anything that he said wrong I actually find it correct quite inspiring that He would tell his child that it wasn't about the winning. It was how he was acting. He was trying to shape his son into a a thought process that would make his son not complain, not moan about others and take control. If he's willing to put the effort into training, to playing for a a professional club, and he wants to do that... Then he has to have the right frame of mind and he can't go pointing the finger at everybody else. And he he also addressed the situation that I don't care if you make it as a footballer. I love you just Correct. as much. So it makes no odds to me what happens. You know, you know, I don't even you know, and he did go and say, I don't I don't care if you're a loser, but he I still love you. But I mean he's making the right you know the sentiment is right yeah. that's behind it. So I don't. I actually don't see the problem with it at all whatsoever. I, exactly. I do think that when you find in in schoolboy football, and you're leaving at the top of schoolboy football, a lot of parents are blinded by the attraction of the the dollar, the English pound, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. that they'll see that the kids and the and the, and they be going home in the car and you could have done this better. You could have done better. Or when they're playing the match and, you know, how did I do that? Oh, you were really, really good. But, and, and that book can be crushing no matter yeah. how much you say, you know, you re- did this great, you did that great. But sometimes it, at, at that level, it's just, you know, pat them on the back, let the coaches do the job, you know, and yeah. you can give a bit of friendly advice when you're out in the back garden, you know, this is what you could do. This is right. what you could do. Leave the criticism away. But if you're going to, if you're going to have an elite thought process, it needs to be right and correct, otherwise his son goes down the line and it's wrong he's a he's a wayward player, he's a rogue player when he's hitting 21 mm-hmm. so he's just putting him in line, he's just correcting him and making sure that he knows that he has to look out for himself and not be pointing the fingers at someone else because of it so I I, I can't think, Peter what, what would your thoughts be on it?
2: Oh, I totally agree with you actually, I think he's you know, he, he, he I think it's wise words from him, to be honest with you, to his son. Um, I, I don't think he said anything wrong, personally, um, myself. No, I mean, I think exactly his thoughts, if I had a son like that, I think I would, I would echo exactly the same thoughts of uh, Robin Van Persie. And at the end of the day, we all remember, we all remember what a good player Van Persie was anyhow. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think he's he, he's getting his son in the right frame of mind, as as you quite rightly said, because at the end of the day, You've got to remember when, when younger people, their their minds, their brains and everything else okay. sometimes are not quite functioning and looking ahead and sitting down about perhaps about a career or how far they want to go, if they want to eventually make football their main game or main sport or main earning, et cetera, as well. And, you know, to be fair, you do need fatherly advice and and even more so you need important uh, fatherly advice. And from somebody as experienced as what Van Percy was, I, I totally agree with, to be honest with you, exactly everything that he said, realistically. So, you know, well done to him, yeah.
0: Yeah. Dave, you want to finish off with that Nando?
1: Uh, Had a small event people, Channel. What have you done today to make you feel proud? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. We'll talk about... Our M- man
1: in the mirror, man in the mirror, Michael Jackson, no? <laughs> oh, can't talk about him, and kids, move on, move on.
0: Play on. Okay, uh, Peter Moore, you have a story about League One and League Two.
2: Yes, um, in my opinion, it's good news actually because both football leagues one and two have uh, sensibly voted to bring in a salary cap, uh, which is, in my opinion... Wonderful news, actually. Um, the limits on players' salaries. Well, they've been set at two and a half million a year for League One, and one and a half million a year. That will be in League Two. Now, Peter, um, can I just step still, in? Can realistic. I step
0: in there, Peter, just for a second? Because when we're talking about one and a half million and two and a half million, do you know what that average out is?
2: Um, it's, it's about £1,700 per
0: player yeah. for League so 1, it,
2: about £1,000 per player for League 2. It's huge. Is that um, a week?
0: It, that's a week, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a week. Yeah, so what about the the, the championship? I believe that they, they're looking to reduce their wages down to £18 million as well. Isn't that correct? That's
2: right, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it's a huge,
0: um, it's a huge, it's a huge difference um, and this is something now, and I'm sorry for interrupting you, but there's a huge difference in 18 million and two and a half million, isn't there? So is there a potential problem there?
2: Yes, there is. Uh, understandably so. But, but you've got to remember that League One and League Two, before salary cap, to be fair, weren't having players in those divisions who were on the sort of salaries that what we're talking about in championship level as well, it has to be said. But yes, you are right, it is a big difference. And eventually, I have a feeling that uh, a lot of championship clubs will go along the same lines and vote for a salary cap. I really do think that's going to come in. I mean, yes, it's going to affect and benefit League One and League Two clubs more, because at the end of the day, remember, they were the ones at the back end of last season who had to finish their season early because Remember, these clubs have to have revenue coming from gates. They have to have revenue coming from sponsorship. They have to have revenue from all sorts of situations in particular because they haven't got the, the, the big television money that's going to be filtering down to them either as well, uh, in particular. So you know, at the end of the day, all right, it, it doesn't sound a lot in comparison to the championship. No, admittedly, but believe you me, It will make, I I personally think it will make a massive amount of difference because it will stop, I hope, and I think it will happen, it will stop certain clubs in lower leagues, i.e. League 1 and League 2, which has happened, remember, the Wiggins and people like that. It will stop them at some point overspending because, to be honest with you, uh, guys, in my opinion, something has, has to be done. As I've said before on this podcast time and time again, football at the moment, will not have the money, whether it's the premiership, whether it's championship, whether it's league one, league two, non-league level, people have got to get into their heads that football in the foreseeable future, as it stands at the moment, is not going to be the big business like it was prior to COVID-19. And that, I think, is is an issue that's going to happen and filter through from the top down to the bottom. So by having this salary cap, working and i think it will work at the end of the day that surely is going to benefit lower clubs it will hopefully keep some clubs afloat because otherwise if you're going to have the situation of players earning what they were prior to this particular situation uh, let's face it a lot of these clubs would really struggle financially and they will be in a perilous position so by having a salary cap in i honestly feel Yes, it will work. I know players are probably, understandably so, going to be unhappy. Uh, you know, if you were at work and you were told you had to take a pay I, I I would be like most people. You would sit down for a minute and be unhappy. But then if you took a step back and realised, look, it could save your job, it could save a company, it could save you being out of work for a long time, then surely you'd have to sit down and put your hand up and say, yeah, okay, thinking a lad, I honestly do feel you are right. Uh, it has upset the PFA, uh, the Professional Footballers Association, understandably so, because they wouldn't, and they don't agree with any form of salary caps. I wonder why that is, but there you are, that's, that, that mm-hmm. could be for another day.
0: <laughs> yeah, do you think it'll, do you think there'll be some sort of legal action from the PFA?
2: It Possibly, uh, Roy, it could happen. Um, the PFA is a very, very big governing body, remember? It's got money behind them and big money that could come up with some sort of legal situation. Yes, I mean, I certainly wouldn't rule that out. No, I mean, as I mentioned, the BFA clearly want their members at heart, understandably so, but I just think they've got to look in, in, you know, outside the box, so to speak, Roy, that, that they've got to look at the picture in front of them because if they don't, then to me, they are the ones that are going to lose out and they're the ones that are going to lose out badly.
0: Mm, Yeah, no, I do. I think that, again, the sentiment behind what they're trying to do is 100%. I mean, they're trying to make sure the clubs don't go out of business. We've seen what happened with Bury. Uh, So in the the League 2, it would be around 1,100 max per player Mm. if it's all divided out evenly and the 25-man squad. It's about 1,900 with League 2. And then there's a big jump up to the championship which is 13 grand so I'm sure there's going to be problems when players get relegated so you're going to get three teams who are relegated from the bottom of the championship and you know quite a few of them might be on that 13 grand or even they might might be hired someone might be getting 25 grand and someone else might be only getting you know 4 grand or whatever way but that player on the high wage they're not likely to hang around are they so when you go down you're you're going to be decimated and you're going to be building up again. Dave, how 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 can you see this going forward?
1: Uh, yeah, that side of it is where it gets messy, I suppose, Roy. But for me, I, I I don't care too much for the Premier League and the Championship at the moment. It's very much on the League 1 and League 2. And as you mentioned, Berry there are the, one of the biggest reasons why it's there. And obviously you're Bolton and for a lesser extent you're Wiggins. Like League 1 and League 2 needs to survive and they need to look at it realistically. Now, I don't know how set in stone the 1100 and 1900 average is, but it's, I think it's quite important because you need that window. You need that where these guys, as we were only talking about, Robin <laughs> Van Persie, son, the elite guys, they need that kind of um, safety net of League 1, League 2. Otherwise, they're like to Jamie Vardy's and... Ian Wright wouldn't be wouldn't be around uh, today if 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 they start going under. Some of these clubs need to live within their means, and if they're being told to do it, they'll do it. While if they're not, they'll still overspend, as you say. You could come in with certain taxes, uh, certain uh, penalties. Say, for example, if a championship site goes down, the first year you can kind of write. You know, you can't like if you overspend, you have to pay a certain fee. But at the same time, if they can get themselves back up into the championship, it's probably worth paying the extra couple of million, the luxury tax or whatever they call it. Because I know they do it in American uh, sports where here's the salary cap, but if you go over it, you, uh, you have to pay what they call a luxury tax. So they could bring that in maybe so that if there is a club who wants to go a bit above and beyond for one season, take a gamble, but it's going to cost them. So they kind of need to stay up or need to go up. Um. So there's definitely other ways and means of getting potentially it over the line. I understand the gaps and stuff, but for me, it's quite important to look at it and potentially, not enforce it, but very much to bring it in to make sure that League One and League Two stay 24 teams and stay healthy for that said reason of the catchment area and, as I said, the safety net of the guys who need that second chance or even third chance, for that matter, uh, who don't quite hit the grade at 18 and 19.
0: Could it limit the chances that the smaller clubs have of going up? Because there's been absolutely no talk of the Premier League having a a salary cap. So you're going to have teams again, the relegation. Of course, these are all the problems that are going to pop up from it. So I suppose that's what you need to be asking about. But you're going to have three teams who are going to get relegated from the Premier League. They'll go down. They're going to get parachute payments for two, three years, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. They're going to have a whole load of money to try and spend. Um, on players, but obviously they won't be able to 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 spend it. But they'll still have more money than and the others, so they can probably Im- improve their their facilities more and uh, academies yeah. more and, and and what have you. While the teams down lower have no no real chance of 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 getting that kind of money in. So, yeah. uh, Peter. Is is there a lot of stuff to iron out before this can work properly? Do you think? I, I, I see your cat's probably a Bolton fan there, and it's found the, the the voice across there of <laughs> uh, of disappointment. But if uh, uh, how do you think the the cat would feel about the whole of- lot? <laughs> I,
2: I, I've trained him well, Roy. He's <laughs> it, it, my cat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. It, yeah, you know, we're talking about legal battles, we're talking about all sorts of things, but at the end of the day um, I, I don't think it's, you know the, this is a decision is what the clubs have come to that's yeah. the most important thing Um, yes it's all got to officially go through and everything else etc and, and possibly there will be legal battles and everything else involved I I, I totally go along with that and, and I get that more than anything but at the end of the day I just feel that um, you've got to remember in League 1 and League 2, yeah, there is some big clubs in there, and I expect those are the ones who voted, understandably so, uh, not to have a salary cap. But you've got to remember the vast percentage of clubs in League 1 and League 2 in particular are not in that bracket. So therefore, they are the ones that have got to defend themselves and they've got to make sure in particular that they've got to have the uh, uh, the livelihood. Of of their staff at heart, remember And players at heart And and at the end of the day, people have got to be sensible uh, In those type of clubs Hmm. And I think most players of of those Particular clubs are going to be sensible Yes, the ones In the so-called bigger guys In League One's and 2, okay, those players um, Will probably um, Quite rightly uh, Completely throw out the idea of a salary cap Because I expect most of them Are going to be on big money anyhow which, to be honest with you, at one time, all right, if if a club was substantially financed and running well, fine, that would make any difference. But as we've seen uh, for a while, this isn't the case. And of course, financially wise now, with the money market in particular, you're not going to have this position anymore. Uh, or I say anymore, certainly not for a long time. So therefore... Um, I, I still feel that it eventually will go through because I just think common sense uh, around both Leagues 1, Leagues 2, and I think eventually the Championship, boy as well. I think as as we are in tough times at the moment, uh, football is going to be no different to any other sport. They've got to sit down and think realistically and common sense has to prevail and and that's the idea of having this salary cap in my
0: opinion. Mm, yeah, I can see a lot of problems coming down the line. Um again as I said with Premier League clubs coming down, it it is only an average wage of 13 grand for the championship. So just say who went down Parma went down this year, they had a I think a wage salary of over a hundred million but they're going to drop down they might be able to afford to give 15 of their players you know 40 grand wages where a team who are coming up might only be able to give their team you know 10 grand 12 grand 30 so uh, I think there's going to be that sort of unfair unfairness between the top and the bottom of championships you know so but it's all going to be seen uh, and the likes of Scotland might get an influx of players from England because they, they might be willing to pay that little bit more money or or, or Elsewhere, so it's well again. Th- there is a, a good side to it, and I I totally agree with that. There's always going to be something else that's going to balance it out, and you you wonder what what the negatives are going to be over it. And I suppose that will be seen. Uh David, Nicholas, and Elka. <laughs> yeah, the
1: Edinburgh that is, and Elka. It's just been released this week. And misunderstood uh, on Netflix. Haven't seen it, but you know, like everything else. You know, you see a couple of trailers and then you read a few bullet points. It's more just to bring a few bits and pieces up and then one dreaded one that I don't want to bring up, but we will. Uh, But the main thing that features is obviously uh, he hated his time at Real Madrid, which obviously didn't work out too well in the end. Uh, He wanted to stay at Liverpool, apparently, but Julier was a bit annoyed that his brothers were kind of pimping his uh, services out to other clubs and went the other way. And we obviously got El Hagstuf considering Anelka did well in the short loan spell there. Mm. And then, of course, the he denied what he said about Raymond Domenech's mother. Obviously, uh, their, their version of Saipan came in 2010 when he was sent home and it caused a great division within the team. Um, and Le Keep famously put a very expletive uh, headline I'm looking at it here now and I'm not going to say it out loud because then I'd have to explain what it is and I certainly can't explain what it is but they put it there you know what I mean there was no uh, asterisk between letters it's very much allegedly what he said but he said he blatantly denied what he said about us but it was very unfortunate people who know me know very well that if I had said what was printed by the press I would have owned up to us but uh, if you did fair play to you but uh, It'll be it's an interesting one, but the reason why I brought it up is because he obviously mentions that fateful night in Paris when that dirty swine Thierry Henry handled the ball, Boo. and uh, he he uh, he basically said himself and Henri were finishing up at the end of that campaign, and it could have very very much been that day. So he basically said, then came the moment in the scramble when Titi's hand touched the ball in the lead up to Gallus' goal. Today we qualified, we were together, and we were really happy, but the problem started the next day or the day after. Maybe other countries were going to give him a hard time in the press, but the French too. We were expecting some support at least, but it was the exact opposite. It was an all-out massacre by everybody. He sacrificed himself for his country to qualify for the World Cup, and they spit on him. When when it's Bata, it's okay. When it's Maradona, it's the hand of God. When it's pierre Henry, it's the hand of Hellfire. Yeah, I agree with the French.
0: Yeah, I'm not so sure. It's still the, I'm not so sure now the uh, the English will agree with the maradona sentiment there, but uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. I'm, fairly, I'm, I'm fairly sure Peter
0: has a a, <laughs> no a a dartboard there with Diego on it. Um <laughs> Yeah No <coming.
1: laughs> Peter Yeah he he led a he led an interesting career with full of promise and he was, he was a special talent but just never Yes, he tasted a few heights, but never quite stayed there, if you know what I mean, and certainly moved around in the end of his career. So it may be well worth a, a, an interesting look to see what his opinion of it is, Whether no matter what you think of him. Yeah,
0: he was always a, a, a mystery person, wasn't he? You never kind of yeah. knew anything about him. You never really... He had the mannerism that he had, like Le Silk, you know, was the the nickname. So he did. He always had that kind of moany face on him, but he was one hell of a player.
1: Mm, Absolutely.
0: Uh, Peter, Tammy Abraham has something to say about Robert Lewandowski. Do you agree with him?
2: Yeah, I do, actually. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, Chelsea's uh, Tommy Abraham uh, was quoted this week in the English press as saying Chelsea have had a phenom- phenomenal season. I mean, to be fair, you can't really argue with that. I think they've done exceptionally well, true. But interestingly, he was asked, in your opinion, who is the best striker around the world at the moment? And he didn't hesitate. He didn't even say Messi. He didn't even say Ronaldo. He went for uh, Robert Lewandowski. Um and quite simply, he said, his facts speak for himself. He's brilliant. He's been absolutely outstanding, which quite honestly he has been for Bayern Munich in both uh, the Bundesliga and, more importantly, of course, the uh, Champions League. Remember, he's 31 years of age. He doesn't look 31. He's playing like a 21-year-old, not a 31-year-old. Uh, and I I, I I, will go along with Tammy Abraham at the moment. All right, you could say... Messi is the best player in the world Uh, I I wouldn't argue with that but at the moment the best striker in the world they're two different situations you cannot uh, in my opinion turn around and say Tammy Abraham's fact is totally wrong I I go along with him 100% I genuinely feel by far and away Lewandowski is the best striker in the world at the moment
0: It wasn't just the fact that they were playing them there was it?
2: (laughs) Well I, I, yes, there might have been a bit of kidology in it. In fact, one of the English press did actually suggest that, uh, Roy. But no, I think he was. Uh, to be honest with you, if you if you can uh, get the uh, a copy of the tape and you listen to him, he wasn't. I don't think it was kidology. He was really genuine. He wasn't. He wasn't doing it as a kidology type thing. Yeah, I know you. Were, I know they were playing them, obviously. Um, and at the end of the day, perhaps he was trying to get some pressure off them. Uh, obviously, <laughs> as a result implied, it didn't work. But at the end of the day, no, I generally feel that he was right. He, he, he was being very, very serious. He was asked a serious question. And to be honest with you, he came back with a serious answer.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Dave, who's the best striker in the world?
1: Oh, uh, I, at yeah, the I'm i not I'm not going to jump into the, the, the other guys have had their time and they're still there, still producing numbers. But Lewandowski, there's a lot to it. This year, his he's a phenomenal record. 34 goals in 31 league games. Uh, 53 goals in 44 games this season alone um, for Bayern Munich he's had 244, can you tell I have the page open, he's 244 <laughs> goals in 286 games for, for, for Bayern Munich in the last 5 seasons he's 42 43, 41, 40 53, if that was Ronaldo Messi we wouldn't shut up talking about they probably do have them same numbers but the fact that he has it too, I'm sorry you know you have to tip your cap and this year he's had an exceptional season Fifty-three goals and forty-four games, and still potentially three more games to go if they go all the way in in Portugal. So you'd have to kind of you'd have to put him in. And if you don't put your hat on him straight away, he has to be in the debate. And at the moment, I would find it hard to go against that.
0: Yeah, and some people talk about the German league not being as good as the Premier League, but we have seen Bayern mm. hammer a couple of uh, English teams and RB Leipzig. Hammered spores yeah. not so long ago, so I I, I don't think that's uh, that counts for Roy. anything. So uh, yeah, Roy, he's
1: 13 European goals in seven games this
4: season. Yeah,
0: well, there you go. That's it. That says it all. He does. He knows how to put the ball away, and and that's yeah. one of the reasons why uh, Bayern Munich do so well. Uh, yeah. Talk about the MLS. Yeah, the MLS.
1: Uh, the MLS's back tournament is finishing on Tuesday. Uh, and hosts, well, they're not hosts, but they're the home team, Orlando City are going to be in the final against Portland Timbers. That finishes on Tuesday, and then the regular season starts back as soon as Wednesday, because obviously Dallas withdrew and Nashville withdrew from the tournament due to positive results. Now, in the last three weeks of the tournament, there hasn't been one positive result, and it's worked out quite well in the long run. But now they're worried it's going to start opening up a can of warrants because Major League Baseball are still traveling to the respective cities, and there's been a fair few games being postponed for obviously people uh, testing positive, and they're worried that that's going to happen. So so what they're saying is the effects of more testing is what's worked out so that if there is an issue, they can jump on it straight away and move on. But they've confirmed reports that following the conclusion of the MLS's back tournament, they will resume its league schedule starting on Wednesday, when Dallas and Nashville will play the first of 3 makeup games that they would have missed in Orlando. And there's also talk in the next few weeks that they're going to start capacity capping up to 5,100 fans into the ground. So that could open up another potential can of worms. So as much as the MLS is back tournament, whether the MLS is back for the rest of the season will remain to be seen. So it'll, it'll be very, very interesting. If this was happening here or in the UK, I don't think we'd be too happy. Um, so I'd have to kind of say, I think it's a bit silly considering they're looking in a worse state at the moment over there. So would be very, very interesting if they're letting people in.
0: Yep. Okay, Dave, we're going to leave it there. Peter, we're going to leave it there. Thanks very much for tonight. The Champions League again is coming up soon, so it's great. The Europa League also, and it'll get a little bit more interesting than the last date of the Europa League compared to some of the results yeah. that have been over the last week, even non, non-events really in, in the Europa League. But mm. yeah, looking forward to that as well. Uh, Dave, excellent. We'll talk to you next week. Peter, uh, you can read, guys. you can read stuff on the bigkickoff.com with Peter as well talk to you next week Peter as well
2: ok goodnight